Go on now, get. You ever heard anybody say that to an animal? Maybe you yourself have said that to an animal, like a stray dog or a cat that's hanging around your house or a raccoon that's on your porch. Now go on now, get. That's what this tour portion today is about. Good morning, this is Chris Shoemaker, also known as Yehuda Ben Shomer, and you're listening to Coffee with Chris, the time of the day where we share a cup of coffee and share a bit of the Word of God. We are in the Torah portion of Archemot, which means after the death, and we're going to be in Leviticus chapter 16, verses 18 through 24, and if you'll remember that this uh, chapter, Leviticus 16, is all about the Day of Atonement, the Yom Kippur service. Uh, where the Kohen Haggadol, the high priest, only once a year went into the Holy of Holies, where the Ark of the Covenant was, to sprinkle blood of the atonement sacrifice on, on, the, uh, on the Ark. All right, so yesterday, if you'll remember, we talked about how the uh, Kohen Haggadol, the high priest, had casted lots uh, regarding two goats. One goat would be the sacrificial goat. The other goat would be the scapegoat. That would, uh, that would go off into the wilderness. So let's pick it up in verse 20 of uh, chapter 16. When he had finished atoning for the holy place, the tent of meeting and the altar, he is to present the live goat. This is called the azazel. This is called the scapegoat, if you will. Uh, he is to present the live goat. Aaron shall lay his both his hands on the head of the live goat and confess over it all the iniquities. Iniquity means lawlessness, all of the ways that they've broken the Torah, all the ways that they've broken God's laws and have ignored God's instructions. So Aaron shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat and confess over it all the iniquities of B'nai Israel, the children of Israel, and all their transgressions and all their sins. He should place on, uh, them on the head of the goat and send it away. Go on now, get. <laughs> he shall place it on the head of the live goat and send it away into the wilderness by the hand of a man who is in readiness. The goat will carry all the iniquities by itself into a solitary land, and he shall leave the goat into the wilderness. Okay, so there's two takes on what happened. Some commentators say that the goat was uh, tied to a stake in the middle of the desert and wild animals eventually came and ate it. Others say that the man who took it off into the wilderness took it onto a, uh, a peak of a cliff and shoved the goat off the cliff. And that's how the goat carried the sins of the people away uh, from, from the people and from the camp. Okay, verse 23, then Aaron is to come into the tent, take off the linen garments that he had put on when... Uh, when he went into the holy place and leave them there. He is to bathe himself in water in a holy place and put on his garments and come out to offer his burnt offering and the burnt offering of the people to make atonement for himself and for the people. Now, this, this Azazel goat, this scapegoat, if you will, that, that is sent off into the wilderness, carrying all the sins on its head, all the sins of the children of Israel away. It reminds me of what's said in Psalm 103 verse 12, as far as the east is from the west, so far uh, has he removed our transgressions from us. First John 1 9 says that if we confess our sins, that he, God, is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So when he takes our sins away and he sends the way and tells our sins to go on and get, he casts them as far as the east is from the west. Now, how far away is that? That is an infinite line away from us. 
It's interesting that the scripture says that does not say that he casts as far as the north is from the south, because if you cast something uh, as far as the north is from the south, it goes into a circle and ends up meeting itself. So if you toss something north, that you keep tossing it north and eventually it's going to turn south back on itself. But east to west, when you go east, you're never going to meet west. You're just going to continue to go east. So as far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. That is an infinite space away from us. And then Micah 7.19 says, He will again have compassion on us. He will subdue our iniquities, our lawlessness and will cast our sins into the depths of the sea. I tell you, the sea is an amazing place to hide something. There's a place called Mariana's Trench, and I mean, it's so deep and so dark that we can't even plumb the depths of it with the technology we have without whatever submarine we're in being crushed like a tin can. And so there's a lot of things, a lot of things that have gone missing in the sea that we still haven't yet to find you know, ships and treasures and, and, and people and planes and submarines, etc. So it says, he will again have compassion on us and he will subdue our iniquities and will cast our sins into the depths of the sea. Some translations say into the sea of forgetfulness, where God remembers our sins no more. So, you know, Yeshua basically is the embodiment of both goats, the sacrificial goat and the scapegoat, because he took away all of our sins. And uh, when we accept Yeshua as our personal Lord and Savior and believe in the sacrifice that he made for us upon the cross, that he took, literally took our place there, then that's what happens to our sins. He tells our sins to go on now, get, and they get, because Yeshua's name has power and authority. Because the word of God says that at the name of Yeshua, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Yeshua is Lord. One day, every knee will bow to him human demonic angelic what have you and every tongue will confess human demonic angelic what have you that yeshua is lord so we want to thank the lord this morning for him being our uh, our scapegoat and being that ultimate sacrifice to take away our sins guys thanks so much for listening go out there and have a great day shalom and god bless Good morning, this is Chris Shoemaker, also known as Yehuda Ben Shemaer, and you're listening to Coffee with Chris, the time of the day where we share a cup of coffee and share a bit of the Word of God. Did you know that in this Torah portion of Kiddoshim, there is a total of 13 positive commandments, thou shalt, and 38 negative commandments, thou shalt not, and if my math is correct, that's about 51 commandments that is dealt with in this Torah portion alone, and we're going to be dealing with a few of those today in our Sidra of Leviticus chapter 19, verses 15 through 22, and it reads, You are to do no injustice in judgment. You are not to be partial towards the poor, nor show favoritism towards the great, but you are to judge your neighbor with fairness. Now, this is not really talking about judging people in general, having the regular Joe judge people, but it's really talking about the leaders and the elders that are appointed as judges in the community. And, you know, I believe this applies, obviously, to the government at large, but also to the Beit Din, which means the House of Judgment, which means 
it's the elders within the body of Messiah in a particular congregation, church, and or synagogue. So um, it says, you are not to be partial towards the poor. Oh, well, I'm going to be a little bit lenient on them, and I'm going to cut them some slack, and I'm going to judge in favor of them because, man, they've just had a rough life, and they're poor, so you know I'm going to do them a favor. No, I mean, if they're guilty and they're wrong, regardless if they're poor, you judge fairly in what is right and just, and don't show favoritism towards the great. Well, you know, I might get a little kickback, line my pockets a little bit if I judge in favor of this rich guy, I get on his good side and get some perks. That's the wrong motive for judgment. So regardless of rich or poor, um, regardless of maybe the threats that these individuals would, would, would put against you or the harsh feelings they would have against you, irregardless, you need to judge fairly and judge according to truth and to the word of God. Verse 16, you are not to go up and down as a talebearer, which means a gossip monger, a gossiper, a slanderer. That is Lashon Hara, and that sin is equivalent to murder because when you gossip about someone, uh, you shed blood, either the blood of rage or the blood of embarrassment. Their face turns red because they're embarrassed or because they're angry about what you said, and that is a form of shedding of blood because when you blush, blood comes to the surface of your of, of your skin and it's considered shedding blood in Judaism. You are not to go up and down as a talebearer among your people. You are not to endanger the life of your neighbor. You, you, you know, loose lips sink ships, as they said in World War II. You are not to say anything that would endanger somebody's life. So in a martyrdom situation where, you know, maybe you're being, uh, you know, like our brothers and sisters deal with in, in, in these communist Islamic countries where they've been captured and said, hey, devolve the list of people who are in your house group in your house church you know where are these people who are the leaders you're to keep your mouth shut to protect them um, so you're not to endanger life and it says why why is the reason for this because it is said I am Adonai because Adonai said so we may not understand the full ramifications of why but that's why pretty much verse 17 says you are not to hate your brother in your heart Instead, you are to firmly rebuke your neighbor. Maybe your neighbor does something against God's word and it just really offends you and ticks you off. You, know, you just don't think the same of him again. Um, you know, you, the, the, the level of respect has, has, has been lowered. Um, you, you know, you just don't think the same. No, don't leave your mind and your heart in that same situation. That's not godly. That's not biblical. Go to that person and say, hey, look, this is what I saw happen. And to me, I was greatly offended. It looked like you did this or looked like you meant this. Maybe you didn't mean to. Maybe I understood it wrong. Maybe I saw it wrong. You know, I mean, Yeshua himself tells us to go to our brother or sister uh, if we're offended and work things out. And he gives us the formula how to do that. Go alone. That doesn't work. Go with impartial witnesses, you know, two or three. If that doesn't work, bring them before the Beit Dean, the elders of the, the congregation. So it says, you are not to hate your brother in your heart. You are to firmly rebuke your neighbor. Now, firmly rebuke, we think, means being nasty and being harsh. No, it just means being firm and not being wishy-washy and apologetic, but, but just say, this is the black and white issue. This is the way it is, and say it in the most loving way possible. You are to firmly rebuke your neighbor and not bear sin because of him. If you don't point out the sin of your neighbor, um, you are complicit in his sin. Maybe he's ignorant. Maybe he doesn't really know. Maybe he's going through a rebellious streak, whatever. If we see this happening, we are to pull them to a side privately, not publicly, not on Facebook, and you know, deal with the issue. And then verse 18, you are not to take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the children of your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. So basically, verse 17 is, and 18 is talking about tough love. 
Um, so verse 18 is, is telling us to let God do the paybacks. If you get a slight, you know, it is your reward and it is showing your love and patience and your holiness and godliness to just let it go. You know, that it doesn't bother you or offend you, but let God do the paybacks. You are not to take vengeance nor bear any grudge because somebody did you wrong against the children of your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. So if somebody does you wrong, it makes us want to treat them differently. Well, I'm not going to hang around them as much. I'm not going to greet them anymore. I'm not going to let them borrow things anymore. I'm not going to treat them the same anymore. Bible says not to do that. God said that's wrong. You are to love your neighbor as yourself. If they did a slight against you, you are not to lower your standard of love towards that person. You are to still greet them. You are to still love them. You are to still hang out with them. You are to still you know, uh, minister to them and treat them as you did before the offense happened because you're weird to show love. And again, we don't totally understand the whole ramifications of this because our uh, ungodly fallen nature wants us to just clam up. But he says, do it because I am daddy, because I am Adonai, because I am your father and I am your God. Let's just read, uh, you know, um, let's, let's just read the, the rest of the passage. You must uh, you must keep my statutes. And this is going into uh, um, husbandry and in agricultural uh, type laws within the land of Israel. And it's basically talking about not crossbreeding animals. You know, basically a mule, even though they're good for work, they cannot reproduce. And that is kind of outside of God's created order. You know, a donkey should mate with a donkey, a horse with a horse, not the two of them to create a mule because a mule is sterile. It can't reproduce. It can't re reproduce after its kind. Uh, then it talks about uh, do not wear uh, two garments woven together mixed with different materials, specifically linen and wool. Now, that is called a chukim, which means we don't understand why God commanded it, but there's reasons. Now, scientifically, it's said that if you wear a mixed garment of wool and linen, it confuses your body. Your body doesn't know how to react. It doesn't know whether to release sweat or to maintain heat and to keep sweat. Uh, because if you wear linen, it, 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 it promotes your body to, to stay cool. If you wear wool, it causes your body to retain heat and your body gets confused. Um, another uh, theory, uh, because we can't really nail down why God said it, because it's a hukim, but is because the priests wore garments that were mixed with wool and linen. And we're not to wear things that are uh, akin to the priest if we ourselves are not Levites and priests. Uh, you know, uh, so, okay, uh, we'll just go ahead and stop right there for today. Thanks so much for listening. Go out there and have a great day. Shalom and God bless.